What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Podcast Revived, episode number 21. I am your host, as always, Shane Craig, and joining me is the lovely Jesse Craig. If you don't know, Podcast Revived is where we share our love of tech, gaming, etc. with all you people. We record every week, and we post on YouTube as well as all major podcast services. Be sure to leave a like or rating wherever you happen to be watching or listening, because that really does help us out quite a bit. This is our uh, day after the day after Thanksgiving episode, which you'll be hearing this and watching this the day after, the day after, the day after Thanksgiving, of course, on Sunday. But this is the Saturday after, you know, so uh, how, how was... Black Saturday. Black Saturday. Maybe it's, uh, well, you know, Black Friday, and then is it just Black Saturday? Is, every, is it just all black from here on out? So how was your, how was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was okay, but I did have to sleep because I had to go in uh, 1 a.m. Friday and work until 10 a.m. to help people buy things. Yeah, so. to, to help people buy things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you went a very long time without sleep. We had I our, did. We had our, our very brief Thanksgiving with the family, and then we, we came back home and then, you know, hung out for a while, and then you went to work at 1, in the, 1 o'clock in the morning, and... I went to bed and <laughs> you came back at about 10 and then we went to hang out with family again and you didn't really sleep until that night. So, you're up so for about, that's, that's fun. You're up for about two days serving the, you know, serving the, uh, what would you call it? The, the corporate, the, the, uh, not, not necessarily what, what, what would you call people buying things? Capitalism. <laughs> serving I mean, the, that's, that's what it is. Gotta help them. Gotta help them get their stuff on this particular morning when it's just very slightly less expensive than normal. Sure, sure. (laughs) Well, hopefully everybody that does celebrate Thanksgiving had a good Thanksgiving, and hope everybody stayed safe and didn't do anything particularly stupid, like you know, gathering. Like normally, our Thanksgiving would have been like forty-five people in one room together, but you know, we did not do that. So hopefully, everybody followed suit and um, kept their distances and, and tried to keep their friends and family. Nice and safe. So let's talk about something here first off um, that uh, kind of has bummed me out over the last few days. I'm a little disappointed. Um, for those that may or may not know, I have a Surface Pro 7 that is a core i3 model. The i3 with 4 gigs of RAM, um, the low-end spec, and then I also have another Surface Pro 7 that is a core i5. And the point was that, Jesse, you were going to use the i3, I was going to use the i5. You wound up not really using the i3 like at all. Yeah, I don't really, I don't, I don't really end up using things. I'm not a a tech nerd such as yourself. (laughs) I think that you're, you wind up just being cool with your phone. Like you don't really seem to have a need for like a, like a full blown laptop or anything. You use your computer to game on and stuff, but yeah. You don't really seem to, you don't need that intermediary where it's like, I've got my phone and I've got my desktop. And you're like, I'm, I don't need a middle ground between those two. So, you know, fair enough. And it's actually worked out okay because the i5 model, um, which was my daily for a while, I noticed the other day that um, there's a strip right down the front of the screen, um, kind of where the webcam is, but off to the left just slightly from top to bottom where the touch screen just isn't isn't working at all just totally stopped working and so i was like man like what's going on there like if you go into paint and you're just drawing lines with your finger it just like 
stops and starts and stops and starts. It just it leaves that gap right in the middle. If you use the stylus, it's a little bit closer, um, the surface pin, but it still does not properly work. So unfortunately, uh, 2020 will also be the year that I remember that two of my Surface devices broke um, kind of without me doing anything to them. I tried everything. I, I worked on it for like a whole day, tried all yeah, kinds you, of different different solutions. And, and You were on it for a while too, like yeah. pushing pushing off sleep to try and get the thing to work. So Yeah, I tried everything. And I finally, um, you know, I ran a, a calibration tool that Sony makes that people said fixed it. That didn't fix it. I tried, um, I wound up reinstalling Windows. I totally wiped it, totally wiped it and reinstalled Windows and lo and behold, still there when I rebooted. So, and if I, there, if, if you boot into, into UEFI, which is like their version of like a BIOS, the touchscreen doesn't work at all in that, no. which, in, which indicates that it's probably a, a hardware failure. So my, um, which is you know, depressing. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a, a Surface tablet with a busted touchscreen type cover and pin, you know, you're looking at well over a grand worth of hardware there and it lasts um, not even a year. So that's pretty cool that it, <laughs> that my Surface Pro 7 is dead. So now I'm using uh, the i3 because I actually do use the touchscreen. Like when I'm, I'm making thumbnails and stuff, like I use the touchscreen. Um, so I can't use it. So, you know, it's one of those things that's, Microsoft makes these really beautiful, like well-crafted products, but like, man, it, it you know, it seems like they just, they don't seem to hold up all that well. Yeah, that is, that's really unfortunate and not really good to have for your reputation. No, and, and you know, when I was Googling, there were lots of people that were having the same sorts of issues with older devices, and they were able to fix it with this calibration tool. Some of them were, some of them weren't. Um, you know, there's a lot of weird things, like there's a calibration tool that's built into Windows that you can load up, and when you hit, um, there's like a configuration thing, and it just doesn't even open. And other people on on other people online were saying the same thing. Like people at Microsoft were suggesting they use this calibration tool, and everyone's like, it doesn't do anything. Like it like it literally the screen flashes, and then there's nothing there. The tool doesn't even it doesn't even exist apparently. Then wow. there's like a there's like a Surface Diagnostic uh, program that you run through, and people are like, oh, try that. When you run through it, it basically is like try touching the screen in a bunch of places, and it's like, did that work right? And you're like, no, and it's like, well. All right. Like, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't, it doesn't do a damn... It's just like, oh, bummer. Dang. Dang, <laughs> Wish bro. I could help you with that's, that problem, that but sucks. I can't. Our stuff's really expensive, too. That's disappointing. Mm -hmm. Like, as much as I love the Surface devices, like, I love the way that they feel and they look. Um, man, I, like, if, if somebody came to me and they were like, hey, I've got you know, a thousand dollars to spend and I need something, I need, I need a, a thin and light laptop or a tablet. I need windows 10. I need stylus support and I need, you know, decent battery life, et cetera, et cetera. I like my surface devices, but like, I'm not recommending one. Yeah. Like, that, I, like there's so many devices I, I would recommend over that, that, that would serve, you know, it's not going to like the, the whole shtick about the surface has more to do with the form factor than anything. It's all these little things, right? It's like, oh, it's got the built-in kickstand. It's made of magnesium. It's got the pin attaches to the side and charges. The charging port's magnetic. It's got USB-C now. Like, there's all these cool little touches to it. But, like, you know, there's so many devices that, that, that will outspec it, outperform it, 
and maybe not look as cool, but they're going to be more reliable. And like, isn't that more important? Like, you know, ultimately, like I said, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily recommend one at all. And it's not even like, not after having those issues too, you know? Yeah. I mean, my I3 is still chugging along and what's really weird too about that I5. And I never really resolved this either was that the i3 uses Intel's uh, UHD graphics and the i5 I had uh, used Intel's Iris graphics. And Iris was like, oh, Iris is supposed to be like much better. Part of the reason I got the i5 was that I made videos about gaming on the i3 because I was like, it's the four gigs of RAM, it's i3, everybody tells you it's too slow to do anything, blah, da, 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 da. It's not true. Um, you actually can, you know, I, like I played Fortnite on it. I, you know, I played Apex on really low settings on it. Um, it's it's serviceable, um, and on day to day stuff, you can't tell a difference at all. Like web browsing, using you know, if, if most of what you do is in a web browser, you're gonna be fine. So I got the i5 because I wanted to say like, well, let's make videos about gaming on the i5 model, you know, because it should be a, a pretty big jump in, in in performance, and it wasn't for me. Like, and I saw other people's videos where they were getting way better performance than I was. And I have no idea why. Like, I tried all kinds of different graphics uh, drivers. Yeah, that's interesting. And I could never get, like, my performance was dog shit. Like, the entire, like, my i3 outperformed my i5 in terms of of uh, gaming. Um, like, Fortnite would, like, barely play. It would crash. Like, something was wrong with that i5 from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And now the touchscreen has failed, too. So, like... I don't even know what to even say about that model. It, it, I'm sure other people's are fine, but mine was was not great from pretty much the time I got it until now. So disappointing, strange, and of course everybody knows I had to send back my Surface Duo for warranty. I guess I'm just going to hold on to the onto that i5 Surface. Maybe one day I'll, I'll buy an iFixit kit and rip the screen off and try and replace the panel, the, t the digitizer or something, and maybe I'll you know maybe that'll be a video down the line or something. Who knows? It's the worst that'll happen. Yeah, it's, I'm already not going to use it. The broken thing doesn't work anymore. <laughs> right, right. I, bro I broke my broken. I broke my broken tablet. Oh God. <laughs> so, in terms of uh, some gaming news, some things that we've been doing here lately, I guess it's not really news unless you consider our goings on to be news. I mean, there's not really anything going on right now. If I'm being honest with you, like there's just not. It's like it, it was Black Friday deals, and I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Well, this is on sale, and you could try this." And like, that's not news. That's not interesting to me. And there's really not anything going on um, in terms of gaming stuff. So, you know, we're kind of going to mull our way through this podcast. But you've been playing a game that I haven't tried yet. That looks interesting it's i think it's pronounced labyrinthine i think that's the yeah. unless they're pronouncing it strangely or differently than, than the word as far as i'm aware but what is i don't know what is what is the concept of of labyrinthine which there is two gameplay videos out now on the gaming channel if you want to see it but what what you know give us a, a an overview of what labyrinthine seems to be about because i'm not Actually, totally clear on it well um I mean, it, it's it's kind of like a horror game. Well, it's not kind of like it is a horror game. Um, it does give me some of the phasmophobia vibes, just as mm -hmm. far as like the way that it looks and uh, the fact that uh, you can co-op this game, which I have been co-oping it with Daniel, um, who's Young Bread four hundred one, or is he just Young Bread? He's Young Bread on YouTube. Four hundred one. There's a four hundred one there. Yeah. So yes. That is who he is on YouTube. We've been playing with him, or I've been playing with him, because uh, I don't do well with horror games by myself. <laughs> um, 
but you're it looks like you are a redneck and you're in some redneck area because I noticed the in the videos that, that I was helping kind of clean up the editing on that like there was a lot of like herka-durka kind of like talking people yep. well you're yep. up in a maze now and I was like you're oh, going weird. the right way you're doing good yeah that kind of thing which I guess to everybody else in the world that is terrifying but that's just like everyday life for us here just normal in, <laughs> in the south um anyways that's not the point of the game but you're in a maze um a really big maze with like pine trees and i think the premise is like you're going in to search for people who've gone missing in this haunted maze um and you get into the maze and like right in the middle maybe past where like the entertainment part ends because you know like a haunted maze is not going to be like super intent for most people it's just going to be like a an attraction during halloween you know mm -hmm. but you get past this one side of the maze where the attraction part stops for most people and it's still going and there's this big like almost ritualistic looking puzzle and you're seeing someone like running through the maze and there's this weird guy who looks deformed who wants to come after you if you get too close to him so you have to kind of like dodge him and solve these puzzles to get further into the maze to try and find what's going on you know find the missing people figure out why someone decided to put this horrible thing inside of a maze i don't right. know I, I haven't gotten that far because we got stuck on this puzzle i think the game is in early access it's an early access game i believe that's right well, this puzzle, oh my god, I've spent so much time on it. Uh, the first time, Daniel solved it just what seemed to be by accident. Like, you're supposed to step on these tiles to light them all up. There's like nine of them in a square. Mm -hmm. And the little hints that they have next to the puzzle, which are handwritten notes by whoever went in before you to try and find the missing people was like oh i think you have to step on the adjacent or step on this tile and it'll light up the adjacent tiles and i should try and light them all up okay this puzzle was not thought out well enough i don't know who on their team thought that it was like gonna be simple enough for people to figure it out it's not and because it's an early access game and like no one's played it yet there are no guides for it no, nobody's I talking did, about how, how, i did like... try and search the internet for this this thing because i want to continue on the game but the puzzle is just like nonsense like absolute nonsense hmm. um but yeah you have to you have to complete these puzzles to progress through the game and that one was just half-baked it was not good so that was my only complaint is that that was horrible but the looks, rest of the game is fun. It looks very atmospheric. Like it it's, is. It's got. It's got a. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy to me that like just a handful of years ago, when a game was in early access, that meant generally speaking that it was going to be like not super pretty to look at. You know, like it was going to be rough. Like, like if you look back at like you know PUBG when it was in early access, it looked terrible, absolutely yeah. ugly. And now, like, the way that, you know, some of these game engines have, have progressed, you know, so these small teams can create, you know, pretty uh, pretty exceptional-looking looking games 
yeah. on, on on a on a pretty small budget, which is really impressive. What what do you? Well, I mean, you've you've seen it in, in you know in real time, not being recorded or not watching on YouTube. What do you think of the visuals? Is is it as as pretty as you know what it looks? What I can tell as far as it looks like. I do think it's pretty. I think that it helps that it's a dark game, so. You know, most of the, uh, you know, like it's happening at night, so you don't have to have like crazy lighting effects. But, you know, the the trees are definitely, they don't look like beautiful. But I mean, for an early access game, I think it looks pretty good. We haven't had any glitches that I've seen yet. Um, the character models look okay. I mean, their walking motions are fine. It's not like, you know, the weird things we were seeing on Phasmophobia where when a character, like, when you look down, like, your whole character is just, like, like, I remember the one of the videos. really weird. You posted one of the videos where someone, like, set, I think it was me. I think I set, like, the, um, like, the ghostwriting book, like, on the table next to the screen in the van, and you were looking at me, and I was looking at the book, and... I mean, straight up, my character's, like, doing that. Like, literally, like, face on the book. <laughs> I mean, it's not like yeah. that, you know? It's it's a lot better than that. But it, it is kind of amazing. Um, one thing I noticed, too, like, in this game and in Phasmophobia, and I don't know anything about game development, but it looks like there are a lot of shared assets, like um, objects and stuff, that are also in House Flipper. Like, a lot of the houses and the tables and That's the furniture straight up came, like, they're in the same game as House Flipper. And that's why I was like, oh, this is just House Flipper with ghosts. Cause so, Phasmophobia is. is running on Unity. So, let's look at Labyrinthine Game Engine. Let's see if I can see what engine it's running on. Because if they're all running on Unity... Then that could literally be what it is. It could be that you know maybe Unity has a selection of uh, you know of assets that can be that yeah. can be used. Let's see here. Uh, developing maze games using Unity. I'm not a hundred percent, but it looks like it may be Unity as well. I look at House Flipper. Stop. It keeps correcting me to labyrinth. I'm like, no, I mean, I mean yeah. labyrinthing. I, I do, in fact, mean, I do, in fact, yeah. Okay, so it is Unity as well. So I'd be, I'd be really house flipper game engine is running Unity. So there's your answer. All right. We're all running Unity. Unity has really come a long way. Like when Unity first came out, it was mostly targeting like really small games and like mobile mm -hmm. games. And like Unity's really like, it's it's pretty solid now. People are making some really good-looking games with that engine. Well, I mean, it makes sense because, like, why would you, unless you just wanted your game to have, you know, your own flavor, like, why would you want to have to handcraft each of these items, you know, if you can just pick it out, like, the table and the chairs, well, like, and all the furniture is the same in House Flipper and Phasmophobia, but it doesn't so need funny. to be anything different you know well and, and what's really interesting too about that is that you look at you know these three games that are indie games and and several you know a couple of them have done pretty well phasmophobia i think had its moment in the sun and uh you know if unity doesn't exist unity being an engine that's easy to craft games in it, it simplifies a lot of processes and i believe it's free um, for people to use, if I'm not mistaken, I may be wrong about that. I may be totally wrong about that. But if, if bare minimum, it's inexpensive. It's you know, if instead of using Unreal Engine or something like that, people are choosing Unity for a reason. 
it's helping proliferate people's ideas for games into reality for us to be able yeah. to, to then enjoy. So Unity has become the the engine of choice for these low-budget indie games. And without Unity, maybe these games don't get made. You know, maybe, yeah. they, maybe they look at Unreal Engine and it's, you know, it, there's reasons why they won't be able to get, get it done with, with Unreal Engine. So without Unity, you know, these games probably don't exist, which is I pretty mean, cool. I mean, I, I really like it. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't need something fancy with that game. And as long as you can get your idea out there, that's all it takes is for someone to play the game, have a good time, and it blows up. And then you can be on to bigger and better things if you want to be. But, you know, you've made your game. Like, Phasmophobia, I, I intend to play that game more. Like, I love that game still. Yeah. And I know that there's more to come. Right. And that's what I'm excited for. Honestly, if we're just talking about early access games, I've I've had a lot of fun with early access games. A lot yeah. of my favorite games are early access. Um, my time at Porsche was one. Graveyard Keeper, um, obviously Phasmophobia, Labyrinthine. And there have been a few that I've played that I really like, and and you get to see the game progress and have more added to it, and see you know how far it's come. I think I played. I actually may have played House Slipper too when it was. I don't know if it was early access or if it was like in testing. You've played it like, for a while, so I would imagine you probably yeah. did. Yeah, it definitely changed a lot. Like a lot of things changed in that game by the time I was like well into it. So <clears throat> let's talk about. Let's kind of change gears and talk about everybody's everybody in in the whole world. Their favorite company, of course, Comcast. So. <laughs> Some news stories broke the other day about a move that Comcast is making that has, you know, I think rightfully so, angered a lot of people. That's Some all they do is anger people. Piss off a lot of people. <laughs> Somebody be reading from, um, gosh, how would you even say this? It's a website, Jacob N. Mag. Jacob and then I-N and then M-A-G. Jacob and Mag. Okay. Sure. Because they've got a pretty good article written up about this. So we're going to read the first paragraph here. And this should sufficiently this should sufficiently anger people. <laughs> With it says quote, "With millions of Americans stuck at home to protect themselves from a deadly pandemic during the holiday season, the internet is one of the only conduits connecting them to friends, family, and the outside world." Now, Comcast, one of the monopoly corporations that controls the conduit, is extending its fees on bandwidth usage to all 39 states where it operates, even as the company has received hundreds of millions of dollars of public subsidies and new tax breaks. Wow. So basically, in some states, Comcast was not doing overage, overage fees, or, or which I guess I should say they weren't doing data caps. Um, so they would say, you know, you're paying for this and you just use data and it's fine. Well, now they are going to now start giving caps in every state within overage fees on top of it. So um, let's see here. So basically, you know, you can be charged up to $100 extra a month if you exceed the cap that you're on. So, you know, depending on what, what plan you're on, let's say, you know, you've got, you know, uh, 100 gigabytes, you know, you go over that and then it's something crazy like $30 for each, like something like for like each 10 more or something like that. Let me get the wow. specifics on that. But what do you what do you what do you think about 
I guess there's a couple of things to unpack there that like, you know, there's the problem of, you know, it's not like Comcast is hurting for money. You know, they can no. sit there and say like, oh, we have to charge these overages because people are using more data. Okay, well, no, you're No, still... they have to take advantage of... Yeah. <laughs> That's what they're going to do. Take advantage, not have to make money there. They have to take advantage of people. <laughs> Comcast and its subsidiaries have received nearly $1 billion in state and local subsidies. In addition to the $861 million in federal tax subsidies that they got in the first year of the Trump tax cuts. Okay, so, you know, Comcast and their subsidiaries, Comcast is a massive company. I mean, we're talking NBC and everything rolled up in this too. They make a absolute shitload of money, okay? And, yeah. and, and there's a difference between making money and making profit. They make a shitload of profit. They are not yeah. hurting for money. And They're then they doing... get all of that you know, all the, the subsidies on top of that too, on top of the profit. Yes. So there's that. So there's the problem of they're, they're making a lot of money and they're trying to make a lot more money. And, you know, look, you know, you can say as the point of capitalism, whatever. Well, part of the thing about capitalism is that things have to be regulated because we've all played a game of Monopoly. And at the end of the game, there's the one asshole at the table that has all the property and all the money, and there's no way you can catch up. Okay, that's capitalism run without regulation. So then the next question is, does Comcast have a monopoly? Which is to say that do they offer a product that for which there is no alternative? That you either buy it from them or you just go without. And I think that unfortunately the reality is, is that in a lot of areas, yeah. yes, they do. In yeah. Knoxville, you know, there's there's Xfinity, which is Comcast. Which, by the way, the reason they call it Xfinity is because they know that Comcast has such a bad name that they literally, like, tried to make a sub-brand to trick people. Yeah. Which is insane. But here, I mean, you pretty much have... There's TDS Telecom, which is, you know, okay. They don't offer coverage in all over Knoxville. And then there's WOW. And WOW is similar. They don't offer a lot of coverage everywhere. Comcast, for a lot of people in Knoxville, is the only option that they have for high-speed internet. Yep. And because of that, you know, they can, you know, there's a quote here from um, a, 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 from Public Citizen on Twitter. They said, this is why monopolies are bad. Comcast can arbitrarily exploit us for profit during a pandemic just because it feels like it. Meanwhile, yep. Comcast collects tons of tax breaks and government subsidies. Comcast should be broken up. So they're, they're saying, you know, the idea of breaking them up, you know, breaking them up into smaller companies that would then compete with each other would restore... Um, competition because right now there is no competition without competition you can just make declarations and people go oh that sucks and you go oh well you got it you know because at this point you know there's an argument to be made you know is internet you know so part of your taxes you get you know in a lot of areas municipal water sewage electricity you know in you know, some places it's broken out, it's, you know, electricity is part of a utility, whatever. But utilities are, are, are run by the government, essentially, right? And internet is still being run by companies for profit. And, you know, there's a question there, you know, should, you know, should, should, should internet be considered a utility in that it's, you know, a necessity? You can't imagine somebody living without water. Are we getting to a point where internet access is on so. that level? I think so. And the reason why I say this is because 
okay, one thing that most people need to live is money. And in order to get money, you have to have a job. Well, most places to get a job, you have to apply online. Okay? So, like, the place where I work, we don't have paper applications. The only way that you can apply is online. Right. Um, also, a lot of places uh, where you have to sign up for programs, you can only sign up online. Like, military discounts are starting to be online only right now. And that's a huge problem for older people who don't have internet, you know, or poorer people who don't have internet. And used to, you could go to these places called libraries and use theirs. Well, you can't really do that so well in a pandemic. Also, there are not that many libraries that are like easily accessible to everybody. So you have to hopefully have one in your community and hope that they offer that service. Not every place does. Um, I think that we're getting to a point where it is, especially with children having to do homework online, you know, kids do schooling online. And that was happening before the pandemic. Yeah. That was becoming a thing where kids had to have laptops and tablets and stuff to do homework at home and do online computer learning. And it's like, how the hell are they going to do that if they don't have internet? You know, my family, like, I really did not have steady internet until we got together, you know, before yeah. that the area that I lived in was kind of rural and Comcast was the only, um, the only one that we could have there besides the Southern one that they have for, there's another brand. I forgot what it's called around here, but it was really crappy. I mean, like it would take like 30 minutes to download like one episode of something, you know, yeah. online, like an episode of something on online. It would take 30 minutes and then half the time you'd get, 15 seconds in and it'd start buffering. buffering I mean, yeah. our, our internet was horrible, but we couldn't afford Comcast. Right. I mean, where we live, they were like, oh, well, we got to run a cable out there. Yeah. And then that's going to be this amount of money. And, you know, we ha we need like five more people on your road to decide that they want to have it too. It and then we it. can run the cable. And it's like, what are you fucking talking about? Yeah. Like people need internet down well, here, you know? And, and, you know, even in our area, it's better than, you know, some places in the Midwest where loads of people don't have internet access. Oh, yeah. Because everybody's much more spread out. And it's for that exact reason. They don't, it's not, it's not profitable. Yeah. So if you look at internet access as a utility, which I think that the pandemic has really underlined um, why that is maybe a good idea. You know, we've all seen through this that like, you, you kind of have to have the internet right now to, to, yeah. to get by. Well, if you look at things that way as a utility, then, then you stop doing it for profit and you start doing it because people need it. And then, you know, I, I'm not necessarily in favor of like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say like, let's get rid of Comcast. No. What I would say is, is that what needs to happen is that the government needs to step in in terms of people that are undercovered. And there needs to be a, a, a government-run internet access protocol that's accessible to everyone and that is either extremely inexpensive because it's subsidized by taxpayer money. Yeah. Or it's just, or it's, or it's, I mean, God, if it's, can it just be free? Can we, I mean, on the yeah. rich, in, in the richest country to ever exist, can we, can we, can we handle, you know, we don't need gigabit speed. We just need internet access, you know, like. Let me. Just something. Let me ask you something. What will happen in our country first? Free healthcare or free internet? 
Oh, God. I don't know, but I mean, I Which think... Which one are they willing to give up for free? <laughs> I, I, I Probably think internet. I think that ultimately what's going to come down to is it's lobbying. You know, Comcast will go in front of courts and say why, you know, make up bullshit reasons why it's why it can't work and why it's wrong to do that. It's the same way that, you know, the Medicare, the, the medical industry, pharmaceutical and insurance companies, which, you know, they step up and they say the same things that, oh, it, you know, it won't work here. It works in every other country on planet Earth, but it you know won't won't work here though. And it's all about lobbying. It's all about who's got who's got money. Unfortunately, well, Comcast has money because although they're still profiting, they're also getting tax cuts and and more oh, yeah. money to them. Which I think that that's something that needs to be addressed. Is if they're profiting over a certain percent, they shouldn't be able to Why get are we, extra money. Why are like, we giving them money when we can give it to the smaller companies like Wow and a couple of the other up and coming companies that or really that, need it use that money to start bolstering the infrastructure to start doing it you know in an inexpensive way that's government yeah. run i mean you know we we talk about how we can't afford these things but people don't understand that we're that we're giving trillions of dollars every year giving trillions of dollars every year to the rich the very wealthy and the corporates the corporations yep. like comcast absolutely so we are it's like we can afford to do these things we just can't afford to do these things and give all of our money to rich people. We can't. Yeah. We can't do both. We yeah. have to actually. Our government needs to actually take care of the uh, the people that need help instead of giving money to the people that don't need help and then letting the people you know on the bottom of the pyramid who carry all the suffer. weight suffer and and, yep. and be and be crushed by all these sorts of things. It's super. Uh, it's super frustrating, you know, and and. I don't hold a lot of hope that anything will happen. Um, unfortunately, I don't think President-elect Biden is going to do anything with, you know, the Internet situation because I don't think he's got a great track record with, you know, things like that. Obviously, we've, you know, we've killed net neutrality. And, you know, I don't know if that's going to get restored. Huh. I certainly hope that it would because that's going to, you know, a lot of problems can, can arise from that too. Problems in this vein, unfortunately. Um, but I guess we'll have to see what happens. I don't know. People need to be vocal and, and yep. you know, eventually. And not support these companies. If you have an alternative that might be a little bit worse, maybe go with the alternative just to yep. just to be one less person feeding the monster, you know? Like yeah. with WoW, like I haven't noticed – I have not noticed any more issues than we had with Comcast. We had outages all the time with Comcast. Yeah, the um, service was crap, and 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 then they, you know, they raised their bill without yeah, like multiple I, times after. And and I, you know, when you when you sign up for any of these things, you got to read the fine print. And it says the price is forty nine dollars after twelve months. It'll be fifty four, and after eighteen months, it'll be sixty five. And you're like, okay, I get it. Well, I went through that. And we were in our, we were at the end of our, con we were, we were, our contract was over. We were just going at that point. I was at my limit. We were with them for over three years. And then one day my bill went up again, like significantly. Like it was up to like something stupid. Like it was like $120 and all I have is internet. And I was like, what the hell? So I go on my, on my account and they've bumped me up to a higher tier internet speed, which I didn't want. And I do the speed test, and sure enough, I'm getting you know faster speeds. And I'm like, I didn't want that at the that didn't time. I, I, I wasn't I wasn't a content creator at that time. I didn't need yeah. that. So I contact them, and I'm like, I want my old plan back. I'm like, well, that plan's not there anymore. 
you can't just upgrade me without my consent and start charging me more for a different service. Like, that's bullshit. I got super mad about it, and I was like, well, then you can cancel my fucking service. And then, then they're like, well, let's figure out what we can do. I'm like, no, fuck off. If, if a threat is what it takes for you to do something for me, I don't want to have anything to do with you. So I hung up with them, and I immediately went online and set up an appointment with, wow, they were out in two days, set up the internet, and I told Comcast to fuck off, and that was, I will never deal with them again. I would rather deal with anybody else, because that shit is bullshit. We've been with wow for a few years now, and, you know, I increased my internet speed and my bill has remained what they said it would be. They haven't lied to me. <laughs> it stayed where it was. And should Huawei fuck me over, then I'll go to TDS or you know someone else that's local. You know, I'm you hoping have to... they won't do that. But they've they've did, they've been pretty good, and I've seen their truck in our neighborhood a few times. So. Yeah, they've done yeah. they've done fairly well for us so far. You know, knock on wood, they've done all right. So guys, I think we're to the end of our episode here. If you want to head over to scariefliteral.com, that's where you're going to find links to all of our other stuff, be it Twitter, Instagram, etc., etc. You can follow us on Twitter, um, like I say, every week, and you can find ways to support us directly um, through the website as well. So like I said earlier, I hope all you guys had a great Thanksgiving should you celebrate it as we head towards the Christmas holidays, whichever uh, holiday you, you celebrate, of which there are many probably many that I don't even know what they are. <laughs> but as we're in this holiday season, I hope everybody's staying safe and staying happy. So thank you for joining me today, Jesse. My name is Shane. This was Podcast Revived. And until next time, stay nerdy, my friends.